0: Thank you for joining us today. You are listening to The Jazz Focus on WETF, South Bend, Indiana, the jazz station. And my name is John Clark, and happy to have your company. Today we're going to be talking about a saxophone player, Herschel Evans, great uh, tenor saxophone player, from Texas. He was born in Denton, Texas, or thereabouts, in 1909. He grew up playing in territory bands, uh, playing alto saxophone initially, but uh, switched over to tenor fairly soon. Uh, Some sources say that his cousin, Eddie Durham, who uh, will... we'll hear on some of these recordings coming up, uh, influenced him to switch to tenor, saying that it was more of a marketable instrument and he could sound better on it and so forth. And Evans was one of the first, maybe the first player to kind of define what we call the school of Texas tenor players. Um, Texas, especially in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, produced a lot of tenor saxophone players, African-American tenor saxophone players, who kind of uh, codified the style of swing tenor sax playing, leading into rhythm and blues later on. After uh, Herschel Evans, you have people like Buddy Tate and Arnett Cobb, and even later someone like Ornette Coleman comes from that tradition as well. Uh, he recorded first in the late 1920s with Troy Floyd in his orchestra. That was a territory band in Texas. And uh, sort of jobbed around the Midwest and uh, into Chicago even in the 1930s. He made his second recording, I guess it was, in 1935 in Chicago with a uh, New Orleans pianist named Richard Miney Jones, who uh, had a little big band date, and uh, uh, Evans recorded two tunes on that date. He got all of eight-bar solo on one of those, so we're not going to play that today. We're going to instead focus on the sides that Evans did not make with Count Basie. Well, that was where we tend to think of uh, Herschel Evans as having his most uh, prominent influence and and featured spots and so forth is with the Count Basie Orchestra. In about 1935, he uh, went back to Kansas City and he started playing with the remnants of the Benny Moten Band, which were being led by Count Basie at that point at the Reno Club. And uh, he and... uh, Uh, Lester Young kind of switched off playing tenor sax uh, in that band, Uh, and then when uh, Basie was brought east in 1936 by John Hammond to uh, start uh, taking some more prominent jobs, beginning in in Pittsburgh and then going on to New York, uh, both of the tenor players went with him, Herschel Evans and Lester Young, and they played in very opposite styles. Herschel Evans, as I said, was that Texas tenor type of uh, player with a big, deep, rich, throaty sound, came from the belly um, very bluesy, whereas Lester Young had a much more linear style that influenced later schools of jazz and played in a much more um, facile way, but in a good good facile, I suppose. He uh, could negotiate some very complicated chord changes and uh, could play at much uh, brighter tempos than Herschel Evans uh, was called on to do most of the time. Evans was... Uh, looked at as a player who was based in the blues, uh, although as we will hear he could play some beautiful ballads as well. So when the Basie Band came East, uh, they uh, were trendsetters in a number of ways. First and foremost with their wonderful rhythm section, the All-American Rhythm Section, which by 1937 included Basie and Freddie Green on guitar, Walter Page on bass, and Joe Jones on drums. We're going to hear from some of those coming up. and. no less uh, important to the commercial aspect of the band was the fact that it featured the two tenor players, and generally they sat on opposite ends of the section with the uh, alto of Earl Earl Warren and the uh, baritone of Jack Washington in the middle, and sometimes they'd be featured playing off each other on the same number and doing tenor battles, which became a big part of the jazz tradition after this. And many of the recordings that uh, Basie made for Columbia uh, and before that for Decca Uh, featured one or the other tenor player, so there weren't too many that featured both of them. However, in live recordings, and there are quite a few live recordings of the Basie band from this period, you can hear both of them occasionally going at it, Uh, especially in the new uh, Bill Savory collection that came out on Mosaic that had some, uh, had two CDs worth of live Basie recordings, probably about two-thirds of which featured Herschel Evans and Lester Young. So, some very exciting music, and also both of them occasionally picked up the clarinet and uh, played clarinet solos. We won't hear any of those today. So while he was with Basie from 1935 till about 1939, uh, Herschel Evans also recorded occasionally outside of the Basie band doing one off recording dates. He did not uh, do as many of those as Lester Young did or as some of the other Basie mem- band members did. I'm not sure why, uh, because the uh, results, which we're going to hear today, are really. Pretty wonderful. Uh, he, he was a fantastic player, uh, and he could fill out a section, a saxophone section, as well. We started with two numbers uh, from similar bands, about seven months apart, six months apart, I guess. The first one was by the Harry James Orchestra. Now, Harry James at the time was, of course, playing with Benny Goodman. Actually, he was coming to the very end of his tenure with Benny Goodman. This was in uh, January of 1938, and uh, this was right around the time. In fact, it was only a few days off of when James was featured uh, with the uh, Benny Goodman band at the Carnegie Hall concert, famous Carnegie Hall concert. Uh, But he was doing some recording dates uh, on his own for the Brunswick label, and he chose, Harry James chose, to use... uh, Uh, many of the members of the Count Basie band to back him up. So in this particular recording, which was called Texas Chatter, we began, and that was a Harry James tune, by the way, we heard Harry James and Buck Clayton on trumpet. Harry James took the solo. Vernon Brown was on trombone. Uh, He was also with the uh, Goodman band at the time. Earl Warren was on alto. Jack Washington on alto and baritone sax. Herschel Evans on tenor. Jess Stacy from the Benny Goodman band on piano. And then Walter Page and Joe Jones. Uh, Helen Humes also... Uh, provided some vocals, and she was with the Basie band at the time. This was a very Texas-oriented band with Herschel Evans. Harry James and Vernon Brown were both from Texas, uh, so they, uh, they they continued the tradition as well. And it's an interesting point to say that this was a mixed band. It was uh, certainly a time of segregation. It was very difficult for bands to present both black and white players in public, especially in the South, but on recordings, it wasn't uncommon for that to happen. And we just heard an example of that on Texas Chatter. So as I said, that was from January, January fifth, actually, of nineteen thirty-eight. We're going to leap up to July twenty-first of nineteen thirty-eight, and a remarkably similar band, but a different sounding band. This is Lionel Hampton and his orchestra, and this is uh, one of the many studio dates that Hampton did for RCA Victor, using a lot of great jazz musicians and arrangements and uh, tunes as well. And we heard the Shoeshiners Drag, which was a Jelly Roll Morton composition from. 15 years before this recording date. And we heard, again, Harry James on trumpet, uh, leading the section there, along with Herschel Evans on tenor sax. In addition to that, we heard Lionel Hampton on vibraphone. Benny Carter, who was responsible for the arrangements in this session, played alto, although he soloed on clarinet on this number. The alto solo was by Dave Matthews, who was also with Benny Goodman at the time, and also, uh, and actually by this point was playing with the Harry James Orchestra, because Harry James had gone out on his own and had his own band, and Dave Matthews was his chief arranger and lead alto player. We also had Babe Russin on tenor sax. He had been with Goodman. I think he was still at that time. Billy Kyle was on piano. He was playing with the John Kirby sextet. And John Kirby himself was on bass. And Joe Jones on drums. So Joe Jones and Harry James and Herschel Evans were in common for both of those sessions. As I said, we heard the Shoeshiners drag. So we're going to uh, hear the second tune, or a second tune, from that Lionel Hampton session next. And this is the venerable, uh, at that time... Muskrat Ramble. This was a tune by trombonist Kid Ori, who he wrote this for or brought it out for the Louis Armstrong Hot 5 recording of about 12 years earlier, 11 years I guess. Uh, This is a very up-to-date swing arrangement. As I said, Benny Carter wrote these arrangements for this date. Uh, One tune that we are not going to hear is called I'm in the Mood for Swing, which uh, is a wonderful uh, swing arrangement featuring the whole band, but especially Benny Carter on alto sax. Muskrat Ramble features him again on clarinet along with Herschel Evans. We're also going to hear Babe Russin take the second tenor sax solo a little later on the record. And you can compare their two sounds. Dave Matthews again on alto sax, a little bit of Lionel Hampton, a little bit of Billy Kyle in there as well. So that's the Muskrat Ramble leading off our second uh, set. From that point, we're going to go back to the Harry James Band, and we're going to hear uh, the theme song of the Count Basie Orchestra, One O'Clock Jump. And this is a kind of an unusual performance. It, it, it maintains the outlines of the Basie recording suitable since so many of the Basie fellows were in it, but it has a very odd ending. Uh, Jess Stacey on piano was a very different piano player than Count Basie, and I'm not sure why it ends the way it does. There are actually two takes of this, and they both end the same way. Kind of uh, uh, an up-in-the-air ending, you'd have to say, but features Herschel Evans on tenor. We also hear, will hear Harry James on trumpet, and I believe we'll hear a little bit of Vernon Brown on trombone on this as well. So that's the one o'clock jump. We're going to follow that up with a tune Uh, by uh, Mildred Bailey we did a Mildred Bailey program a while back and uh, this is a tune that we did not play on there it's called Heaven Help This Heart of Mine and it features Herschel Evans I'll tell you the rest of the personnel when we get to the other side of that as I will with the final Harry James tune which is called Life Goes to a Party and that's a a Harry James uh, tune and arrangement that he did for Benny Goodman so those are our tunes we're going to listen to right now we're going to hear the Muskrat Ramble One O'Clock Jump Heaven Help This Heart of Mine, and Life Goes to a Party, all featuring the tenor sacks of Herschel Evans. ¶¶¶¶
1: da <laughs> da Thank you.
0: some great performances by a studio band, of all things. In fact, all four of the uh, recordings that we heard were done by bands that were just assembled in the studio, although you're going to hear some crossover of personnel. You can tell what bands were hot at the time because they were the... uh, Uh, soloists and and, and players that the leaders were snagging for these recording dates. We started out with Muskrat Ramble, done for RCA Victor by Lionel Hampton and his orchestra, Harry James on trumpet, Benny Carter on that track on clarinet, Dave Matthews on alto sax, Herschel Evans took the first tenor sax solo, Babe Russin came in a little bit later and played a second tenor solo, Billy Kyle on piano, John Kirby on bass, and Joe Jones on drums with an arrangement by Benny Carter. We then went to the Harry James Orchestra. Uh, This was, again, a studio band. James was with the Goodman Band until uh, early in 1939. Uh, These recordings were made in uh, December of 1937 and January of 1938. The one we're going to hear right now was January of 1938, right before the Carnegie Hall concert. And he stayed with Goodman for another year or so uh, while he was assembling his... uh, Uh, Dolls and Dishes to put his big band out Uh, Goodman was all in favor of it And actually invested in his band apparently And uh, James started recording For the Brunswick label with his Formal big band Uh, These recordings we're hearing right now are for the Brunswick label Uh, And he started doing that uh, In the middle of 1939 but these are definitely studio sessions, although the tunes are, are arranged, certainly, they're not jam session tunes. We had uh, One O'Clock Jump came up next. Again, this was more or less the bassy arrangement, although the ending was just plain strange, but uh, had some great playing along the way by Harry James on trumpet, Vernon Brown on trombone, uh, Herschel Evans on tenor, and Jess Stacy on piano, along with the Basie, half of the Basie rhythm section, Walter Page and Joe Jones. Buck Clayton played second trumpet. He did take a solo on a couple of the other numbers that we did not hear. And two other members of the Basie sax section, Earl Warren and Jack Washington. And those were from, as I said, January of 1938. We finished up, I'll skip over one and come back to it, but the last tune, number four that we heard in that set, was from the December 1937 Harry James and his orchestra Uh Session which produced Life Goes to a Party. And as I said, that was co-composed, actually, by Harry James and Benny Goodman. I don't think Benny Goodman composed it, but he was the band leader, so he got his name on it. Um, The arrangement was James as well, and it also sort of went along with the Goodman arrangement, more or less, and featured some excellent playing, again, by Harry James and Herschel Evans. And in addition to um, the other people in this band, we had Erie Durham on trombone instead of Vernon Brown. Vernon Brown was on... uh, one o'clock jump on the January session and Eddie Durham was uh, guesting from the Basie Band also in December of 1937. So in between those two Harry James titles we had a really wonderful song uh, by Mildred Bailey and her orchestra, Heaven Help This Heart of Mine, which was composed by Whitcup and Powell, not exactly a Well-known standard, but a nice tune, and anything that Mildred Bailey sings is a nice tune by definition. This had another interesting band that had some bassy elements as well. It had Buck Clayton on trumpet, Freddie Green on guitar, Walter Page on bass, and Joe Jones on drums, along with Herschel Evans on tenor. James Sherman was on piano. He was playing uh, on 52nd Street, I believe, at the time, and Edmund Hall on clarinet. Uh, Herschel Evans is the only one who got any solo innings on that in between the vocals But a couple of the other tunes in that uh, recording session features Clayton and Hall a little bit more That tune, by the way, was recorded in June of 1937 So everything we've listened to so far has been within about a one-year period Um, Some interesting stuff So as I said, Herschel Evans was born in 1909, and uh, by 1936 he was playing with Basie's band, and he stayed with him for the rest of his life, which was not very long. Uh, He had health problems uh, not related to excess, as far as we know. Uh, he apparently had some kind of congenital heart defect, and he was suffering with various heart ailments through a good portion of his time with Basie, and they finally caught up with him entirely in February of 1939. He had made one last recording date in, I think, January, and he actually had to uh, not show up for the uh, February recording date. Berry subbed for him with Basie and recorded a wonderful version of Lady Be Good, um, and he uh, Herschel Evans was not able to go on tour out to Ohio with the Basie band. Uh, he stayed in the hospital in New York and, and died in early in February, unfortunately. He uh, was playing very well up to the end. We're going to hear some uh, recordings very close to that point, and certainly the Basie recordings are very close to that point, even closer. Uh, and You can tell that his playing was undiminished at that uh, stage of his life coming to an end. Uh, As I said, he also played some clarinet, did some interesting clarinet solos with Basie, wrote a couple of tunes. His big feature with the Count Basie band was Blue and Sentimental, and that's the tune we usually associate with him. However, we're going to be hearing um, in a little while, not in this next uh, brief set, but towards the end, we're going to hear a ballad performance by Herschel Evans on Stardust, which was only recently released. Before we get to that, though, we're going to hear one last Harry James tune. I had to put this in. This is a little unusual. It's a tune that uh, hardly anybody recorded. I Can Dream, Can't I? From that December 1937 date, and it features uh, Herschel Evans playing what we'd sort of call hotel tenor uh, at the beginning. Just a very straight, sort of schmaltzy uh, introduction on the first chorus, introducing the vocal of Helen Humes, who does a beautiful job. The only other recording that I'm familiar with, I'm sure there are others, but the only one that I can call off the top of my head is one by the Andrews Sisters. Uh, I think was done in the 30s and was redone in the 50s for Capitol Records. Uh, very nice tune, actually, by uh, Irving Cajal and Sammy Fain. From there, we're going to go to a jam session, and this jam session is uh, an interesting prospect. For years, there was uh, a rumor going around that uh, live recordings existed, a lot of live recordings existed, uh, because of a fellow named Bill Savory, who was uh, an engineer and uh, a recording enthusiast and so forth And he recorded uh, a lot of performances off the radio in the 1930s and into the 40s And bootleg tapes of some of them had circulated But finally Mosaic Records came out a couple of years ago With uh, what I hope is the first volume of uh, a lot of this Bill Savory collection That had been beautifully remastered and has a wonderful package and all that uh, And one of the great things about this particular uh collection is it has so much live count bassy. Uh, it has two full uh, CDs, uh, of the however many CDs there are in this collection, and uh, it's all stuff that hadn't been released before. A lot of great Herschel Evans. We're not going to listen to that, although I may do a program in the future of just that stuff. We are going to listen instead to a Lionel Hampton jam session, and this was done as part of the Make Believe Ballroom program. Um, that was a, a program that was... Uh, very popular in the 1930s, late 1930s, and uh, introduced a lot of records and, and bands and things like that, but would also have live music from time to time, as it did on December 28th of 1938. And bearing in mind, this is now two months, and a, less than two months, actually a month and a A couple of weeks before Herschel Evans passed away, so we can assume that he wasn't feeling terrific, but he was playing very, very well at this. The personnel on this recording, jam session, is uh, of course Lionel Hampton on vibraphone. He plays piano on one track that we're not going to hear. We have Charlie Shavers on trumpet. He was part of the John Kirby sextet. Vernon Brown is back again. We keep having the same people show up over and over. Uh, He is on trombone. Dave Matthews again on alto sax. Herschel Evans on tenor sax. We have Howard Smith on piano. He was a studio and a radio musician who had made a bunch of recordings with the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra early on in Dorsey's band leading career, solo band leading career. We also have Milt Hinton on bass and Cozy Cole on drums, who, who were half of the Cab Calloway rhythm section at the time. So another mixed band, African Americans and white players as well, and uh, playing to very good effect. The announcer you'll hear is the host of the Make Believe Ballroom program, whose name was Martin Block. And uh, there are several make-believe bra- make-believe ballroom programs that are included on this Savory collection. This one is really very special because it has so much Herschel Evans. Right at the very end of his life, um, somebody said that the, uh, the amount of Herschel Evans recording time uh, that was released on this Savory collection more than doubled the amount that we had up to that point uh, on studio recordings and other live things as well. So we're going to hear... Uh, One tune to begin with. We're going to hear Dinah, the great old jazz standard that uh, was made famous by Ethel Waters in 1925. Um, As I said, we're starting out with I Can Dream, Can't I? And then we're going to Dinah. And then we're going to take a short break to say our goodbyes. And I'm going to play a couple more of this Bill Savory collection after that. So, just two tunes right now. I Can Dream, Can't I? And Dinah. (music) Oh, 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 oh,
1: oh, 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 oh oh, 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 oh
0: Something to hear on the radio Back in 1938 Uh, Well we started with I Can Dream Can't I Again from those Harry James sessions Uh, This one was from I believe the first one In December 1937 Features Helen Humes On vocal With a very interesting Kind of straight tenor solo Hotel band style From Herschel Evans then we went to Dinah as part of this uh, jam session on the Make-Believe Ballroom Time uh, program, rather, and uh, that featured all, uh, all of the, uh, the Musketeers. there. We had Charlie Shavers on trumpet, Vernon Brown on trombone, Dave Matthews on alto, Herschel Evans on tenor, Lionel Hampton on vibes, Howard Smith on piano. We even had a trade between Milt Hinton and Cozy Cole, bass and drums. So we have two more tunes from this session that I want to play, and then we'll end up with something after that. Uh, the first one is really probably the, the, the most impressive piece of this Bill Savory collection. It's a, a full ballad solo on Stardust by Herschel Evans, and it's, it's sort of like what Colin Hawkins was to do a little bit later with uh, Body and Soul, but uh, this was about a year or many months earlier, I should say, and uh, it was unheard of for for one soloist to do something like this on a commercial recording. Indeed, it wasn't done on a commercial recording and wouldn't be until Coleman Hawkins did his classic version of Body and Soul. But here we get to hear Uh, Herschel Evans really stretch out at length on Hoagie Carmichael's tune, Stardust. Beautiful, beautiful performance. And then we're going to go to Rosetta, the Earl Hines uh, tune, which will feature again all the soloists. We're going to, especially here, of course, Herschel Evans, but also Dave Matthews and Charlie Shavers are very well featured here too. So those are our two tunes. Then, if we have time, and I think we will, we're going to end up the way we started. We're going to end up with a version of Texas Chatter from the Harry James Sessions. This is an alternate take and features a very different solo by the two soloists, by Herschel Evans and Harry James. Very much an improvised date as it turns out. Uh, The backgrounds were the same, but the solos were very, very different. So you get uh, get to have a good feeling about how these men were improvising at the heart of the swing era. So you've been listening to The Jazz Focus and I want to thank you for being with us today on WETF. The Jazz Station, South Bend, Indiana. We have lots more programs coming up. We're going to be mixing it up between uh, New Orleans style jazz, early Dixieland blues, classic blues, swing, bebop, big band, what have you—all sorts of things. I got lots of lots of ideas. So. Hope you've enjoyed this program of Herschel Evans and maybe uh, discovering or rediscovering uh, a soloist with some recordings perhaps you had not heard before. So that's kind of the whole point of what we're doing, and hope you're enjoying it. So once again, my name is John Clark, and see you soon.
1: informal jam session Wednesday night jam at the ballroom I do hope you've enjoyed this evening's broadcast featuring Lionel Hampton Vernon Brown Dave Matthews Howard Smith Herschel Evans Cozy Cole Milton Hinton and Charlie Shavers we think it's been a great show I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have here at the ballroom look forward again next Wednesday night to another Wednesday night jam at the ballroom this is the American Broadcasting Company